Hey everyone, welcome back to the Triumph Over Trauma show. I'm your host, Chris Gear. And as a reminder on this um, show, we tell stories of everyday people overcoming adversity so we can learn from one another. And I'm very excited to introduce you to our next guest. Uh, today we have Mr. Will Baptist. And I'll start off just by saying Will is obviously a very patient uh, and, and just awesome man altogether. Because I'm late. I'm late. You know, you guys don't see it now because you're getting it whenever. But I'm late to this episode. But he, he's patient with me. Um, we worked it out and still had a smile on his face and, you know, took the time to get ready and everything. So big shout out to Will for that one, number one. But in addition to just being overall awesome, um, Will is also a podcast host. Um, and the name is Will to Rise, W-I-L-L. The number two rise a men's mental health mental health coach um, with a purpose to reduce the suicide rate by 25 percent by 2025 a transformative keynote speaker and an owl expert o-w-w-l-l -L. i'm gonna have to let him tell you a little bit more about what that is later on i just learned it's pretty exciting um he was born in haiti raised in the united states and matured in canada and Will's mission as a mental health coach is to help men solve problems related to their mental health and well-being. This can include managing symptoms of mental illness, improving relationships, increasing self-esteem, reducing stress and anxiety, setting and achieving personal goals, and promoting healthy habits and lifestyle choices. He also provides support, guidance, and tools to help individuals navigate their mental health challenges and achieve optimal well-being. His ideal clients are working with men uh, since, uh, excuse me, men who have suffered from multiple traumatic wounds. Um, he can help people gain their confidence, strength, and courage to become better husbands, fathers, and friends. So really excited. Uh, you're, you're, you know, Will, you're hitting on so many key points that are that are really special and, and personal to me. So <clears throat> glad to have you on, brother. Yeah, I think you you know the drill and you've waited long enough. So uh, I'll turn it over to you to, to you know, share your story of, of overcoming adversity and what you've learned. Well, yeah, but uh, uh, obviously I just want to tell a tell on you because uh, your audience is listening. By the way, I was so excited about coming on his show. I actually sent him a text message uh, about 15 minutes prior to get on his show. And then we didn't get the show on until about half an hour later. But you know what? <laughs> I, I, I'm, a I'm a forgiving guy. Um, it's all good. I still love him. He's my brother. Uh, you know, hey, he's a little late. Uh, maybe the reason he's late, because somebody needed his attention. Because I don't believe an accident, by the way. You know, we can always turn something, you know, try, you know, trauma over triumph, or we can always turn something that's negative into a positive. Maybe. It was meant to start at the time it started. Maybe there's something that I needed to learn. Maybe it was a test for me to realize, is this, do I still want to do this? Because I have a thing for being late. And, you know, there's a thing that says, if you're on time, you're late. If you're late, if you're on, if you're on time, you're late. Right? And for me, for me, being on time is being early. So, but it's all good. It's all good. We are here. Um, thank you for bringing me on. It's, it's it's such a wonderful, it's such an honor uh, whenever I get a chance to be in any platform um, to speak about my my story, to speak about how I face adversity uh, from a, from a, from a child, from a little boy uh, growing up in Haiti without parents. My father passed away. Uh, my mother was traveling, and I was being taken care of by my grandmother until the age of 12 when she passed away. Then I had to step into this role of being the man in the house and I had to forsake uh, my, my childhood. So there was a double, uh, double burden that was put on me. First, I had to step into a role where I was not ready for, I was not taught, I was not guided. Then I also had to, for, you know, for, forsake the role that was supposed to be in, which is my childhood. So both those two words cr uh, crashed together. And I tell you what, I, I went on the uh, down spiral from that point on with all this sexual abuse, molestation, physical abuse, uh, mental, emotional abuse, um, and to, to molestation, incarceration. So I was a growing up kid that never got to be a man. 
because I was never giving that model. I was never giving. Uh, and from that point on, also, I had a trust issue because this so-called man that's supposed to be a male figure ended up taking advantage of me. So the whole world to me was a big fat lie. So I despise everybody in authority because I didn't want to trust anybody. People that were supposed to be there to take care of me, to be there for me, to watch out for me. So I'm left on, on the world all alone and I had to take care of myself. And how do you do that? How do you navigate through that? Well, guess what? I come to find out 40 years later that all that was part of becoming the man that I am today. Now, looking back, you know, when, he, when I was in the middle of all this uh, tragedy or trauma, it was tough to the point where I didn't want to live anymore. But I thank God that I made it out. And now looking back and realize they were all blessings. Because now I understand that in order for me to be to where I'm at today, I had to go through this to become the man that I am. And I'm still in the process. And this healing journey is a process. It's, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Uh, it's not a destination. So I invite you all to get on this journey, however um, it looks like to you, wherever you can start. Because there's a saying, you don't have to be great to start, but you got to start to be great. Start wherever you are. And that's, that's you know, it, it, we're going to get into a little bit more in, into the, 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 the meat and, and the potatoes of this conversation. But I just want to set it up for you to let you know that the man that I am today, I haven't always been that man. You know, and I'm not ashamed to say, yeah, you know, I, I caused trauma. Uh, we don't want to talk about that. I, I was once a narcissist. We don't want to talk about that because we like to blame everybody else as if the whole world is against us, but we have no part to play in it. Mm -hmm. You understand? So I'm the type of person that come to, to realization that, hey, you play a role in everything else, whether good, bad, or ugly. You were there. You were a co-participant. So now I'm learning to take the full accountability and responsibility for the role that I play in that and say, how can I become a better man? And how can I help others to see for what they are and who they are and without shaming them, without blaming them, without, um, you know, just criticizing them because they didn't know any better. And that's how I come to learn to forgive. Does it mean I'm going to forget? But forgiveness is not for the other person. It's for me. And that's how I come to find peace. Man, I could go on and on and on, man. You, you haven't asked me any question yet. But listen, that's how passionate I am with this. Um, because it saved my life. And what I, the reason I'm doing what I'm doing is because I wish I had somebody to help me. So because I didn't have, you know how what they say, be the change you wish to see in the world. So I'm being that model. I'm being the man or the person that I wish I had when I was going through that. So this is why this is my last mission, my purpose, my passion, my assignment, whatever you want to call it. This is it for me. This is something that I'm ready to live for and die for, but mostly live for. Well, um, I'm blown away, man. That's, that's, you shared a lot, both in the, the struggle, right? as well as what you've done with the struggle and how you become the man that you are today. <clears throat> so um, there's a lot, there's a lot, of, you know, a lot that I love, love to know about that um, just that, what a powerful testimony, but, you know, shared several things, both, you know, both, you know, your childhood in Haiti, as far as the parental structure and then being raised by your grandmother, but then also things such as abuse, you know, sexual abuse, mental, emotional abuse. Um, I think you mentioned incarceration there as well. A lot, a lot of things there, right? A lot of, a lot of, a lot of things, challenges that you went through and helped you become who you are. But you know, as you think about those things, um, any particular parts that stick out more than or more more than others? I mean, there's there's a lot there um, because I'm sure that there's someone listening who has gone through one or more of those things too, um, and maybe they haven't processed it the same way. Maybe they, maybe you know. You know, I know for me, for many years, things were just kind of just stuck in here and I really hadn't dealt with it. So love to hear you share more about, you know, um, how you how you've over time, you know, how you dealt with those things, maybe how you dealt with them when you were going through it then, uh, as well as over time, how you how you, you know, as you're on this journey, you know, what if you maybe, you know, what's helped you. Your, your perspective or what's helped you, you know, manage or, or work through those things. 
Uh, that's a great question. And I'm glad that I wasn't. I, I felt like for the first, for the 40 years of my life, I was numb. I was, I was invisible. Um, I was just existing and not living. The reason I'm saying this is because it was way too much for me to survive this. There's no way that I, I, I could have survived this if I was conscious. And I felt like for 40 years I was in a coma. Because when and then as I was talking to my therapist, and she said, absolutely, because your memory was trying to protect you. So therefore it blocks out all of those things. And until it was time for me to start revealing in order for until it was time for me to to be healed. And the only way that I could heal was to reveal those things that happened to me. So for me, to be quite honest with you, I'm a very spiritual person and I'm not ashamed to say I am not religious, but I do believe that God has his hands on me the whole time. And he was protecting me from my own, from my own self. And it wasn't until that I was able to be mature enough to understand that not everything that happens in my life is bad. And it was that that moment that the light bulb went off and I realized, okay, now it's time for me to, in order for me to move forward, <clears throat> I don't have to go back and live in the past, but I did, do need to make peace with the past in order for me to be, able, to be able to move forward. And that's when I started doing this work. And of course, there's this pivotal moment in my life because we all have this pivotal moment where all of a sudden we have this awakening and realize what's going on here. And that was after my second divorce when my wife walked out on me and took away my kids. And that's when, you know, the whole world coming crashing down on me. I say, you know what? There's no need. There's no, I've already gone through a first divorce. Now at 40 years old, I'm going to go through another one. Now I felt total failure. Now all this uh, broken tape, broken cassette playing in my head. Now I'm, you know, my parents, my mother used to tell me that wasn't going to be be nothing. Uh, people around me that said that was going to be a failure. Then all of a sudden it's like, okay, they were right. Okay, I am a failure. I have been incarcerated. I have been through bankruptcy. I am a failure. So they're right. And then it was at that particular moment where I was cursing God on one hand and say, how could you be, how could you see you that God, you that father? that great father that he to protect his children. But yet you allow me to go through this. What kind of father? I say, I don't know any earthly father that will let their child, their children go through this, this kind of ordeal. But on the other hand, I'm thinking, okay, so you are God. You know the end from the beginning. And you know the beginning from the end. You still allow me to go through it. There must be a reason. Then that's when it, it clicked, and then I heard a voice, and that's the reason why um, the, the the name of my book and my show and everywhere you you see is will to rise. The voice that I heard was will rise up. At that moment, that was a pivotal moment for me. Realize, okay, there's more to this. Let me figure it out. Let me do something that I've never done before. Because if I keep doing the same thing I've been doing, I'm gonna keep getting the same thing that I've been getting. I don't know if you're familiar with with the the black community, and especially come from coming from uh, from the island, therapy, trauma. Those words are for white people. We don't know. We don't have trauma. We don't have depression. You're black. You have no being depressed is a luxury. I don't have time to be depressed. I need to get up. I need to take care of myself. I need to take care of everybody else. I don't have time to be depressed. Trauma? What is that? You, 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 you. No. But if, if, if mental health? No, that's 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 diabolic. That is that is pagan. That is no. You don't go go to church, pray it off, get the Holy Ghost, then you heal. You don't need none of that. So that's how I grew up. That therapy is for is for, is for people with, either with money or white people. Black people don't don't need therapy. We're strong, especially for men. You definitely don't need therapy because now you look weak. 
now you're going to have to be emotional. Now you're going to have to be vulnerable. So I have all this, uh, uh, um, all this narrative, all this thing that are just, you know, just bombarding me. What do I do? Well, just give it a try. You've never done it before. Just give it a try. And I did. Now, therapy, traditional therapy may not be for everyone. And I have to, there's a caveat. Because my biggest depression came after I started therapy. Because here I am 35 years later. Because normally it takes about 25 to 30 years to talk about the thing that happens in our childhood. Especially when it comes to, you know, uh, a man being sexually abused. So here I am. 35 years later, and then I have to relive those things again because now I got to talk about them. And on top of it, I had to talk to a white man, which doesn't not understand fully what I've experienced. Now, I have to explain to him what it's like to drive a car and, and looking over your shoulder, am I going to get pulled over? What's going to happen to me? And to be constantly watching over your shoulder... A white person may not understand that. So that's what my depression, and then I couldn't find a black therapist until that I found one that was fall and I could understand. They could just look at my eyes and understand because it's a cultural thing. Not because he wasn't professional, not because he didn't know what he was doing, not because he, he, he didn't care about me, but his limited knowledge can only give him a perspective of who he thinks I am. So all that to say, whatever, however your journey, your healing journey can start, be it uh, uh, through yoga, be it through spiritual, whatever it looks like to you, just start. Because I promise you, you're going to look back and you're going to thank yourself for starting on this journey. It's a beautiful journey. It, listen, it, it's <laughs> like everything else, man. Uh, it's a process. But you know what? The outcome when I think about the outcome, when I think about me being healed, when I think about me being a better father, when I think about me being um, a better friend, a better citizen for this world, I don't mind going through this process. Yeah, the process hurts, but I have the end in mind. And that's what keeps me going each every day. And as a father, you know, raising kids, how can I be a better parent? Now, because I would need to make sure that I heal as a parent so that way my children don't have to heal for me as being their parents. You understand? And I don't want to have to repeat what was told to me. Uh, shut up. Uh, you don't, you know, I'll give you something to cry about. Uh, not letting mm -hmm. those children being kids. I mean, man, we, we're going to have to come back on this show, man, because, man, see, that's what I, and I love about when I, when I, when I, when I met you on, on on Instagram, and also, um, you know, watching and listening to you, you have inspired me so much. And I have the thing that I'm talking about now. If you look at all my old videos and, and all uh, interviews, I have never felt so not just comfortable, but felt, felt so inspired just to, just to let it all out because it's energy, because our energy, because our chemistry. Um, just to let you know, man, I give you kudos and thank you for bringing the best out of me. Uh, hopefully not the worst. <laughs> well, you just man, I, I'm, you, I'm stealing your show, man. Hey, oh, this man. this 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 episode is about you, brother. Um, you're you're the star here, but no, I I thank thank you for telling me that, right? Because as you know, when you do these things virtually, as I've shared, you know, yeah, you ask for feedback. It's um, you know how it is when you're posting things, content, you're interviewing, you don't necessarily hear back. So thank you, that means a lot to me. I'm, I'm, just like you, it's like I came to a point in my life where it's like, you know. I need to do this. It isn't even like a, an option anymore. It's like being called, you know, I've been led down this path and, you know, in my faith journey and it's, I need to be here. So, but to your story, holy moly, um, there's a lot of, of important topics there. And one of them, right. Um, it's interesting too. And we talk about, you know, the, the, right. The, first of all is the color aspect, right? So I am white and I've got a white shirt on. So I'm super white today, but I'm also wearing a shirt for my brother. Um, be good. You know, repping the therapy's dope brand by be good. And he's also, so Mike guest shout out to him. He's one of the guest briefs. So, and you know, his, and his mission, right. As far as normalizing therapies, uh, especially in the black community. And, you know, there are some, there are some parallels there between, you know, men, right. Why men don't tend or, are less likely to go to therapy 
and minority communities, right? But it's not the same to what you said. And you did a great job kind of unveiling that for someone who's not, right? Who is, is a white person who is from, a, you know, a majority, you know, um, you know, race. So it was interesting, I, I, you know, you, you shared even like the, the presence of driving, right? That whole thing. Um, I appreciate that. And I want to share a quick little thing, a parallel that, that disaffirms that. So I, 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 you know, I go to the gym and there's a lady uh, who I met there who works in the staff, really nice lady. And she's a, she's a counselor. And she told me that she was counseling at a white school near me. And she ended up leaving there um, and going to, she wanted to work in a, you know, a school that has more black people. And just cause she felt it was just, it was, you know, it was, it was tapping more into where, where she wanted to help, who she wanted to help, like you said. And what she found as a guidance counselor was at the white school, um, which is affluent school, this particular one, and not that all being right, this one was, that there was referrals left and right, left and right by the parents to like the, the uh, counseling system, the counselors, mental health professionals. At the higher minority school, um, she found that there was much less referrals. Like there were, they were not referring for services, number one, um, for the black children. Number two, and this stuck out to me, maybe what you, what you said about, you know, what you experienced, the stigma. Even when she tried and people tried to refer their children for counseling services, the parents at the minority school, you know, higher minority concentration school, they would say, no, they deny it. They'd say, I don't want it. We don't want to send our children anywhere. They're fine. Like to what you said there. So there was a denial going on, right? These are kids who needed help. They're in need of help. They've got some kind of problem and parents were saying no. And I think it's for, you know, all the reasons you just said, you know, all the reasons you just said, like, don't, you know, that's for white people. Like this, that's a white, you know, what's that? That's a white people problem. Right. That's not that's not what we do. We don't have time for that nonsense. Right. We don't have time to be, you know, talking like we got to get stuff. We got right. We've been through so much already and we got we need to keep working. So that is man. So um, tell me more about what helped you make that shift, because that is a right. Just this whole normalizing therapy and, and you know, even just feeling back asking for help <clears throat> for men. Right. It's the same. It's a similar conversation for minority communities. Right. But different nuances, different barriers, different different reasons. Tell me more about that. Of, of what helped you make that change for you? Because that's a huge change for you for what you've been through, what how you grew up to make absolutely. that change, right? And and can absolutely you know can save your life. Absolutely. Let me let me kind of piggyback to what you're saying. It's much more than just don't want to go to therapy. We look at white people as the enemy, and we do not want to divulge. Uh, we do not want to air our uh, dirty laundry to the enemy. So what happens in our house stays in our house. So now we're labeled as traitor for going to the white man that used to oppress us. Now we're going to them for help because they are the one, quote unquote, that causes most, you know, most trauma. And there is a such thing as PTSS, post-traumatic slave syndrome which I talk about, and I've got a podcast that's coming that's going to be talking about that, um, how especially black mother treat the black son in a horrible way, but because of the PTSS, the way they talk about the black son, devalue the black son. Why? Because when the white man will come to get their son to go, work and or to go uh, as a slave trade to go sell them so if she talks down to her son say he's weak he's not intelligent look at him he cannot do anything it was a way for her to protect her son so now we have generational curse and generational trauma that passed down now the mother now, whenever you talk about their son, you can elevate her son. She'll still find something to say, oh my God, this, call, this boy is causing me a problem. Your son is doing well in school. Your son is, 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 is getting a PhD degrees. Oh man, if I tell you what this son, my son made me go through, it, uh, uh, subconsciously we go to that safe space. So that's just a little bit of, of the... the, the I won't say the nuances, but look, to go a little bit deeper into the reason why a lot of things are happening. Now, going back to the questions you asked, how 
did I finally break that generational curse, a generational trauma? Because I'm I'm the first one in my family that I've ever gone to therapy. So again, it goes back to, you know, I've been in a network marketing for, for over 20 years. And there's this phrase that keeps you know repeating. Um you got, you know, if 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 you want something different, if you want something you never had, you gotta do something you've never done. And what is the one thing that I've never done? And that was therapy. Even though I was going into it with with you know with doubt. But I say if that's gonna save my life, F my doubt, F my family tradition, F me being called a traitor. This is now a life threatened situation. This is for my survival. I've got children that I have to raise. I need to be here. Whatever I got to do, I've got to be here. So in my head, I'm thinking, okay, sometimes you got to do something bad for the greater good. So to me, in my mind, what I was doing was bad, but I know that it was going to be for a greater good. So that's when I decided that I didn't help. And at that moment, that's when I felt strong. Because the whole time that I wasn't going to get help because I felt weak. But at that time, it was the first time in my life that I felt strong, knowing how weak I was. Now, now, now listen to this. At that particular moment, that's when I finally realized how strong I was for realizing and acknowledging that I was weak, that I needed help, that I couldn't do this on my own. And I say, you know what? Let's give it a try. Let's give that thing a try because I'm a type of person. Listen, man, I'm not going to go down without a fight. I don't care how many of y'all, man, but somebody's going to get some. And somebody's going to go, go feel their hands. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to go down without a fight. I want to make sure that I that I that I try everything. All my risk, I exhaust all my resources because at the end of the day, I want to be able to look at myself in the mirror or to look at my children and say, Daddy did everything he could. And then some. So here I am today. Three years later, I'm still on that journey. But guess what? I may not be where I want to be, but I thank God that I'm not where I used to be. And here I am today talking about my mess. Now that's becoming my message. Talking about the test that I went through. Now now it's becoming my testimony. And sharing my story, which will make a history. Well, well, well. That's without a doubt. Without a shadow of a doubt. I'm going to be on big stages all over the world sharing my story and my goal is not to tell people what to do it's constantly sharing what i've done and if that works for you great but whatever you got to do do it for yourself not for anybody else because you cannot pour from an empty cup i don't even want to pour from a a, a cup full i want to pour in from a cup that's overflowing Man, I could go on and on and on, man. I tell you what, I don't know something about you, bro. I think it's your pretty face, or I don't know what it is about you, but I am so comfortable right now sharing my story. And I felt like in my bone that this is the place, this is the time to share this story. I don't know what it is. I feel that there's a shift, there's the energy flowing. And uh, watch out for people who's going to listen to this, man. They're about to, to get. This transformation, not because of of me or what I've done, but because you know what they say: when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And I'm hoping that this will find someone, just one, not many, just one, and make that domino effect. And that's my goal. That's ultimately that's my goal. Well, you've already reached one right here in me. Well, to be quite honest, so I, I it's um, it's it's powerful. You just, I mean, it would not only your testimony, right? Because of, because just like you said, you wanted to speak with someone, you know, in therapy, in the counseling process, you wanted you know, the representation matters. You wanted to work with someone who understood you, what it's like to be you, right? They couldn't know everything, but know, to know what it's like in some ways, it looked like you, they've been through some, you know, things like you. 
So in that same way, this, right, you sharing it. I love what you said, you sharing your story. There are people that are listening and I'm one of them right now who have been through some of those things, right? We all have unique, unique journeys, unique struggles. So there, without a doubt, there's people listening. Um, it's, I, I love the way you shared it though. I love the way you shared it, right? Um, so as you went through that process, and you absolutely will, right? You are going to continue to elevate, right? By by being open, and I'm, I'm I'm glad you feel comfortable speaking up. It's so important, and it's 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 hard. It's hard for us as people in general. One, it's hard for us as men too, and it's hard for those who are you know non-white. Three, so it's like you got triple, right? You got the triple, you know, deck stack. But but so power to you, well, power more, to you for using that. One more for those who are immigrants, because immigrants. You know, I, I, I'm, you know, and not just, you know, an immigrant. I'm not just a, ch you know, a child of an immigrant parent. I am, and my children will be the first generation. So I come, I am the the epitome of, you know, coming to a, a new country. You have to be vulnerable because you have to divulge a lot of things about you. Um, it is a trauma because it's a traumatic, traumatic event. I went from Haiti to Florida. And now into the snow. Here's the thing that I love about the snow. Um, people can't say they, they people can't say they can't see me because there's a contrast between snow and me. But anyway, I go I go back. Oh my, oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> see, I don't get that at nighttime. It's just too dark. You know, I don't get that same. I don't get the same effect. Because you know? <laughs> we can't see anymore. Oh man, the snow thing is too. Uh, especially Canada. Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, I mean that's—I mean honestly, moving, moving in itself is is a whole is very stressful and difficult on the body and the mind. So, I'm I'm curious, Will. And by the way, if I didn't already, I love the name Will to Rise. Like I like it's like you're made for this. Like I mean, look, like just listen, look, look, you're built for this. You're made for this. You're supposed to be here, and you're gonna you are and you're gonna help so many people. And I mean, you already have, right? So the bottom line is like, you know, as of today, as of you know what you've done as of the last last 24 hours, you already have. But I would love to know for people who um, have not taken the steps to find some form of therapy or whatever works for them. How did that process like I know you said that uh, I heard the one part right and one aspect I love you I love you being open about that it wasn't just like some you know instant relief you know in some ways it opened up wounds and it, you crashed you crashed and you did it and that's hard and that can scare some people off but as you shared sometimes you've got to go through the hard time to get to the good time. Um, you gotta go through the pain to get to the promised land. So it, it, can you share a little bit about, you know, what that process has been like for you, you know, um, going through that as you still do. And as, as I still do, I still am, right? I had to make that choice. I'm still going through it. It's an ongoing process, but how has that in itself helped change you and helped you in your journey? Great question. Oh man, you got some great questions, man. Listen, I don't know if you're listening out here, Please get with Chris and let him interview you. But be, be ready to be naked now. Be ready to be vulnerable because he's gonna hate you. You're not gonna know what's hate you. Uh, <clears throat> I've been I've been training for over. Now I'm gonna be 43 in a in a in a about a week and a half, and I've been training for over. I started at 16, so 26 years, almost 27 years. When I started. After a week, there was no nothing. After a month, there was nothing. Couple of months, nothing. But I kept at it. Because I know the transformation wasn't happening on the inside because of the way that I've that I was feeling. Although I couldn't see any signs that I'm training, but I knew deep inside of me something is happening. It's the same thing as going through the healing process. You're going through it. You want, you're asking yourself, is this worth it? What am I doing this for? Am I ever going to get healed? All those questions, all those are legitimate feelings. And you need to sit with those feelings and those emotions. Because the last thing you want to do is to ignore them. Sit with them and figure out why am I feeling this way? So I'm, I take the analogy of, of training. You may not see any difference, but I tell you what, something is happening on the inside. Something in, it, in, internally is happening, but it's just a matter of time before people start seeing 
the, the transformation. Is it easy? No. And it's like an onion. You're peeling layers. And the more layers I'm peeling off, the more I'm getting teary eye. The more I'm realizing, my goodness. Now, the only difference between now and then is the thing that I used to trigger me. Either no longer trigger me as much or don't, don't trigger me anymore. Because I've learned that now those things, certain things that I just leave it to the person. It has nothing to do with me. This person is hurting. I understand and recognize that not to take things personally. Because if this person is doing something, it's not. it has nothing to do with me. They have the problem with themselves. And that gives me a lot of empathy and compassion for other people, knowing that a lot of us are hurting. But because I'm, I am close to that person, I'm going to be there on the receiving end, but it has nothing to do with me. So understanding that uh, was very helpful for me to, to be able to go through this process. Now, there's a three-step process that I have used, and I, and I wrote an ebook about that. Uh, it's three ways uh, for men coping with trauma. And number one, when I started doing this 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 therapy and being on the in this healing journey, the very first thing that I had to do, which I find it very important, that's why I had to share it with people. And I am actually rewriting this book, and I'm going to put it on Amazon. Is that the first thing that I had to do is be aware of who I am. What I've realized is that I was living a double life or triple life or multiple lives. And when I tell people that, they say, well, how could you be? How could you do that? Well, how could I tell Chris who I am when I don't even know who I am? So it is a lie. What, however you want to put it, it's a lie nonetheless. So now here I am telling Chris who I am. Now, Chris now is treating me respectfully, lovingly, based on who I say that I am. Now, I'm not receiving that, although you're doing the best you can. I'm not receiving that because that's not who I am. So now I'm blaming you when it's my fault for not telling who, who I really am. So I had to sit with myself and do the work and realize, okay, who is well? Not what my parents told me who I was, not what the society said. Who am I? And I had to get into my true, authentic self and sit with my creator to figure out exactly who I am. And that's a long life work. Because as I grow, you know, as, as I mature more and get more wisdom, I'm discovering who I am. That's the first thing. And when I saw, when I finally get to know who I am, I'm like, that was ugly. I understand now why I was running away from my identity. Because I did not want to face that demon that was inside of me. And it took me everything to finally say, you know what? You've got some issue, big boy. Let's deal with that. And it was a hard pill to swallow, but it was necessary. And number two, I had to accept the fact that, hey, I was nine years old. When my, my, my caregiver that was supposed to love me and nurture me took advantage of me. And I have to accept that? You tell me as a young boy, nine years old, I have to accept the fact that somebody did that to me. And there's nothing I can do about it, but I still have to accept it. And that was, that was hard. Except the fact that I was molested. Except the fact that, you know, my father wasn't around. Except the fact that my mother left me. I have to accept all those things? Why do I, why should I? It's not my fault. I was just a child. And then last but not least, I had to take action. So now that I've been made aware of who I am, now that I have accepted the things in my past that I cannot change, that it's already happened. I can't, I can't continue to cry over this pill make. I cannot continue to live as a victim. I cannot continue to blame everybody around me. Now how to take action. And what does that look like? Get help. It's time to get help. And those are the steps that I, that I, um, that, that, I, that I took, man, that really helped me. And each and every day as I'm discovering who I am because self-awareness is a continuous work. It's a continuous progress. Accepting, you know, accepting the fact that my ex-wife took my child. It's almost three years now. I haven't seen my son. I have to accept that. It took a lot for me. Knowing my background, knowing my trauma that I was molested, knowing that I have a father. So me as a father now and my son has been taken away from me. Yeah, I've got thoughts. Trust me. 
You can take the man out of the hood, but it's going to take a while to get the hood out of the man, right? I had some thoughts. But I said, and then that's when I had to go back and say, well, now think about it now. She's hurt. And you don't want to add more to that. There will come a time. Because if I try to do everything that I can to get my son, but in the process, I'm hurting her, I'm hurting him, and I'm hurting myself, give it time. There's a good news and the bad news. The good news is nothing lasts forever. And the bad news is nothing lasts forever. Sooner or later, things will come out full circle. And I will have the time with my son. And we will reunite it again. So those are the things that I have to keep telling myself. It's not easy. Sometimes I want to act out. Sometimes those old will wants to come back again and have to contain him. I have to say, listen, you, you're not that man anymore. You're not that guy anymore. You're not that person anymore. And I have to sit with myself doing yoga, meditation, and to realize and give it a day. That's my mantra. Give it 24 hours. Whatever it is, give it a 24 hours and, and see if you still feel that way. Because too often we're acting out on our emotions and the wrong way. Men are emotional. We're just not acting in the right frame of mind when we are being emotional. So it comes out physically and it comes out two ways. We either explode or implode. Now, the way we explode is that you look at me the wrong way. I just got to fight with my wife or my girlfriend. Now, you step on my J's. They're white. Bro, you, you, you're, you getting the, you're getting your fist beat up, right? Because you just step on my J's. You just look at me the wrong way. That's how we explode. That's why we have all this crime going on. Do you think everybody just wake up one day, just want to shoot everybody? That's what explosion is because they've been under pressure for so long. And then the pressure erupts. That's the first that's the first way. You know, and the second thing is imploding. Now that's why we have all this disease because 10% of our disease comes from genetics. 90% comes from our trauma. 90% of our disease come from our trauma. That's why all of a sudden a, a guy 40 years old, healthy, and he dropped dead. What happened? Trauma. Unhealed trauma. And that's one way we implode. The second way we implode is to turn that gun or however it is towards ourselves and kill ourselves. So we, as men, we are getting the short end of the stick. That's what we must, as men, black, white, yellow, red, whatever it is, because I don't believe for a second that our soul has color. There's no color. We must find a way First of all, to heal ourselves. Because when our men heal, our community heal. And as I've said before, this fight is not against flesh and blood. It's against principalities. This is the old tricks in the book. This is the old tricks from the devil. And as men, if we are not wise enough, if we are not, we need to lean in and lean on God and lean on each other. That's what the cross represents. Vertical and horizontal. Vertical is meant to God. Horizontal, meant to man. So we need each other. We do. And my problem is your problem. Now, we may have might not have the same type of problem, but at the end of the day, it's going to affect me or you on one, on a ship, you know, in some ship, way, or form. Because that's one thing that we have in common, that we are male. Now, some of us may never become a man because be, become a male is, is, is birth by birth. But become a man is being mature, taking responsibility and accountability. That's why we have a lot of male growing up male and, and acting like child because they have not taken the responsibility and accountability for things that happens in their lives. Not just happen to them, happens for them. But more importantly, they were a co-participant. Because you were there when it was happening, but you felt powerless. This is a cry out for man to step up. But talking about sports, that's great. 
Talking about cars, a collection that's great. Going to the barbershop. But how many times that we take this conversation to the next level? Say, hey, man, let's do a quick check-in. How are you doing? Yeah, there's a time to talk about the girls. Yeah, there's a time to talk about the sports, the car. But let's talk about what really matters. But we don't want to talk about what really matters. Why? Because it's going to take us to a place where we have to sit with ourselves and think. And when we think, and now when we know better, now we should do better. So we play in ignorance. It's a wake-up call. We have to do something. I'm doing something. You, are, you are. You are in, the, in the, the, the goal of reducing suicides, right? I love it. I love And I love, there's, well, there's so much here, brother. We might, we might need to have some, some future talks because you're hitting on so many key themes uh, my brain is just going off like it's like it's you know a slot machine in Vegas. There's all kinds of bright lights going off because I'm so excited. There's just so much. There's just such good stuff. Yeah, and, and you need if you're not already, you need to like be, be speaking in front of groups of people. Um, you've got you've got a very powerful spirit and a great voice and and, and energy and passion. This is very real, and you're going to help a lot of people. With this um, this there there's there there's so many questions I want to ask. So I'm going to try, but I'm going to try to filter it down. So one of them is what is, how has that been like for you, you know, with, with your experience, you know, and what makes you, you, you know, when you talk to people, you know, either from back from, from Haiti or, you know, in your local community, you know, fellow, you know, African-American people, black people, you know, how, you know, or men or people from Haiti, like, probably aren't you know when you think about when you talk to people who are not necessarily receptive about this what is that like when you try to either tell them about you know your story and they may look at you like you have three heads that you're talking about and that you did some of these things or that you've even maybe at times maybe suggested if you've ever suggested something like you know this kind of thing does help because i'm sure there's you probably meets resistance like you said people probably you know naturally want to protect themselves and say that sounds like you're talking to enemy it sounds like you're doing something that's that's foolish. That's not culturally okay. It's not safe. You probably scare the hell out of some people or make them very uncomfortable. It, just because it's there, you know, it's it's um, you know, it, it's not what they are expecting to see. But it's, it's helping you. So it's got to be a weird process. Where they then then they see this man who's healing and is, and is healed in some parts. So what is that like when you communicate with people who maybe aren't in that same place? Frustrating. A lot of frustration, um, anger, angry at time. Um, but I have to tell you something that I experienced at the beginning. I was uh, experiencing a lot of shame and guilt from my own community because now here I am talking about things that are still taboo. Now they felt like they have an obligation now to talk about it as well. It was very hard to the point where it was very hurtful, very hurtful. Um, the message that I was receiving from my own people are uh, telling me, how could you be such a traitor talking about, you know, what happened, what happened in the family stays in the family. And I said, this is the reason why we keep perpetuating this type of behavior. Uncle so-and-so did this, you know, aunt so-and-so this, this, then yeah, let's, let's just keep it in the family. Let's keep that generational curse and that generational trauma. I said, I'm done. I'm through. See, it was very hard. But they just now start to come around. And that's one of the reasons why I don't talk at people. I talk with them and I share my story. And that's why that's the reason why I've been very successful at what I'm doing. Because I'm, I'm not coming from a place of you know like a you know traditional therapies or therapy. Because a lot of time it's just a monologue, it's just a bunch of questions that they're asking you. But me, I'm just showing my story because there's not one thing that I talk about that I've not never been been through myself so i'm i'm speaking from a place of knowing i'm speaking from a place of i from experience so when i tell you when i share something with you not telling you when i share something you, you can see the authenticity the vulnerability not just hey i heard the story uh this not it's like yeah this is what i've been through so that's why i'm very focused you know to the variety of stories that, I, you know, the thing that I talk about, um, you know, from, again, from the childhood trauma, uh, abuse, molestation, incarceration, divorce, failed business, um, 
not being good at being a, a good parent. I mean, that alone, it's just we have enough to cover for years and years to come. So I'm really focusing and letting men know that self-care is not selfish. And sometimes being selfish is a way of you letting people know how to treat you. Because we do teach people how to treat us. And not being selfish is a form of self-abandonment. We are abandoning our own selves for the betterment of other people. We are being uncomfortable just to make somebody else comfortable. We are being disloyal to ourselves so we can be loyal to someone else. We are burning ourselves so we can keep somebody else's warm. I'm not doing this anymore. I set my boundaries now. I have sex with self-respect, self-love, self-worth. My no is no. I don't need to explain. I do what's best for me. If this is not the right thing for me, I'm not doing it. I don't care how. I'm, and if you love me and respect me, you should want what's best for me. And that's how I'm able to know who's in my corner. Because a lot of people that I that I, that, that pertain to be in my circle, but don't want to see me win, don't want to see me succeed, <clears throat> don't want to see me heal, those are not circles. Those are cage, and I don't need to be in the cage. People that I think that I have a circle, they're not circle. I'm not in a circle. I'm in a cage. It's time for me to get out. Let me be free, free to roam, free to find myself, free to find to a self-identification. Who is Will? Not what I've done, not what I possess. Who is Will? You know how many times that I tell people, tell me about themselves. This old doctor tell them about their accomplishments, their accolades, and they, 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 their title is a, a, a mile long, but they could not tell me who they are because they have no purpose. They have not a, a, a do a self-identification. They don't know why they're here, and that is sad. And that's why I can honestly and truthfully say I am one of the most successful men on this planet. Because I have found my purpose. And ever since that I found my purpose, I no longer have to chase anyone. I no longer have to chase anything. I no longer have to chase status or money because I am working on my purpose. And so long I'm working on my purpose, everything that I need are already out there. They just haven't got to me yet. So if I need something and I don't have it, it's because I don't need it. Because everything I need, I have it at the time that I need it. That's probably the best affirmation I've heard. Everything that I need, like everything that I needed, I have I have it at the time that I need it. If I don't have it, it's because I don't need it right now. Exactly. Like, and that's pretty it's interesting because it's kind of counter to the yearning, the natural desire, right, of the human condition. The, you know, the always, I forget there's a psychological term for it, but always wanting more. Like you can get that thing and then you want the next thing, next thing. And it constantly chase and chase. It's really interesting. So what you're talking about is this, you know, satisfaction, gratefulness, uh, peace of being where you are and, and really stepping into to who you are. And I love, you know, going back, I love earlier you mentioned this, this um, it gave me a great, uh, this metaphor of being in a coma. And, oh, brother, I, I hear that. I, that spoke to my soul. Like I felt the same way. And it's, you don't know it at the time, right? You don't know it. When you're in, like when you're in a coma, you don't know you're in a coma because you're you're you're, sub, you're you're not conscious, right? But when you come out of it, like damn, I was in a coma. So I I had that exact same experience. I look back like and so and the word I use for this, and I think it was called Disney as well. I think it is for mine. But it's interesting, you know, as far as low level depression. But once you've once it's almost like the game got turned on. It's like the game was off. Like if you play video games or anything, it's like the game was in standby mode, right? But some someone pressed the power button. It's like, okay, let's go. Let's go. If it's Fortnite or whatever game it is, you know, if it's Madden or, or whatever, some NBA Live or, or, you know, I'm going back. But the game is on. And now you've got, I know what I do. Like, I know what, I know what my game is. I know what I'm out to accomplish. And that's where you are. So you know exactly who you are, where you're going towards. And um, come hell or high water, as a fighter, as you said, as you are, right? Um, you know, you know, like, will to rise. Yeah, you don't want to step and get in your way. Like, you're going to, you're going to get there, right? You're going to get there. 
and I hear, right, this strength isn't just coming from you, right? It's also coming from your creator. So there's like, there's, there's more to it than that. So it's a beautiful thing seeing this journey. Like you have, right, you have every reason to not be where you are. You have every reason to be depressed. You have every reason to be on drugs, in jail, mad, pissed at the world, you know, lashed out, um, just acting out, you know, in all kinds of bad situations. You have every reason, um, not excusing it, but as far as the stress and the difficulties and the odds that have been stacked against you as, as, a, as a person, all those things you mentioned, all those, and I love how vulnerable you are, because I think that's when we really step into our purpose is when we've come to terms with the truth of who we are and our experiences. You share all those things. Every one of those is a very, very difficult thing. And that's real life. And there's people who listen to this who are, they've been through one or more of those things and it's real. And they may not be comfortable talking about them, but the sooner that you can process them and, and understand that is who you are, all the messy things that make you who you are, all the things you don't want to talk about are the things that make you unique and make you relatable and make you real and make you an inspiration to someone else that you are just the fact you're standing up like just you fact you're you know you're on this you, you know uh podcast right you waited for you know uh what 30 minutes for this white guy to come on late you know you should have been pissed off at me and all kinds of stuff and listen here we are we're talking like it's real it's good stuff man it's so it's i'm so pr- like that that in itself despite all the th- odds you've overcome like that's a testimony just the fact i'm looking at your pretty face on this podcast <laughs> so i'm i'm so i i'm loving hearing from you uh, we can, we're, we're gonna we're gonna have to talk about some potential future one or some some collab stuff because there's some really good stuff here. I, I love the energy, and there's a lot that I'm learning. I've got a lot of notes on my side, but you know anything else? You know as we as we start to wrap it up, anything else I didn't ask about? You know I know that we could talk for days, but just you know in in summer and the last points that I, we didn't get a chance to hit on that you want to touch on for for our listeners. Um, my goodness, I mean that could be another whole another hour, but. <laughs> If I could just be concise and precise, is that it's never too late. You can start exactly where you are. You're never too old. Uh, you never you never make uh, too many mistakes. Um, no, there's no such thing. Um, and 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 believe that all thing works for good to them who love God. And I don't know what your spirituality is or your level of spirituality. I don't know what you believe in, but at least have something that you believe in because that's what's going to give us the, that's what's going to fuel us to keep moving forward. Whatever that is, write it down and look at it each and every day, especially in the low moments. What fuels you? What fuels me? And go back to that and say, you know what? This is the reason why I'm going to keep moving. And make sure it's something that is not, and I'm not here to tell people, but make sure it's something that is much bigger than you. Much bigger than you. Because I believe that we all are here for a reason. I'll find out the reason. I'll I'll say whatever you got to do, whether you got to hire a professional, whatever you got to do, Look inside and know, he's, I'm going to leave you with this. No need to go out and, and acquire more tools or more knowledge, more understanding. Know that the time that the universe was ready for you was the time that you were fully equipped with everything that you need to navigate through this life. Now, the problem is somewhere along the along the way, that you start using those tools for the wrong job, thinking that those tools were no longer good, so you throw them away, but not knowing that you were not using the right tool for the right job. So now you're throwing the right tools away that you were born with. Now you're trying to acquire other tools that's man-made. So acquiring more tools is not going to make you, it's not going to fix you. Is to use exactly what you've been giving because God, universe, know exactly what you need. And it gives you exact amount, the amount of tools that you need, the amount of strength, the amount of courage that you need to navigate to this, to this world. So instead of looking for, to acquire more tools, ask somebody to help you to use a tool that you already have for the job at hand. So you're not broken. 
your life isn't over. Your 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 best days are, are yet ahead, yet you know yet ahead of you. The reason why the rearview mirror is smaller than the windshield because you have to pay attention to where you're going, not where you've been. When we live in the past, that's when we create depression. When we live in the future, that's what creates anxiety. When we live in the present moment, that's where we find peace. Our goal in this life is not to be happy. It's to find peace, find our purpose, and help our fellow brothers and sisters. And if I can leave you with anything, I will leave you with this. Well, there's a will. There's a way. Well, dude, that was beautiful. You don't know how hard it is for me not to be screaming and hooting and hollering. I intentionally keep it muted just so I don't interrupt on the podcast. That was amazing. Amazing. And it's so right. It's You're so right on so many points, right? Looking within. I love how you said that. It's like we are our own Home Depot or Lowe's, right? We've got it all right here. Mm-hmm. Um, I love it. There's, there's absolutely going to be people who are going to want to say, how can I keep up with Will? Um, so how, um, how can people support you or follow you or keep up with what you're doing? Number one, number two, I, I mentioned this earlier. Can you tell us a little bit about the, the owl thing? O W L L. I think it's how it was spelled. Tell right. us a little bit about that. Cause that was new to me. So both those things, you know, love to, love to, to, to fill our listeners in. Absolutely. Um, I, I was part of the beta test when all comes out, I'll say almost, almost a year ago, not quite. And I and I didn't understand it, so that therefore I couldn't take full advantage of it. And I tell I took the time to look into it to see what it's all about before I rejected it. Uh, and I realized, my goodness, connect, learn, and grow. And I'm connecting with people that I never thought that I'll be able to connect with. Why? Because this our app, once you download it, um, and I have my referral code, and I, we can we can put that in the in the chat or somewhere. Um, and whether you use my referral code, that, that's not the point. The whole point is that once you download this app, you'll have access to thousands of thousands of people, especially if you're an expert in a certain area. Uh, and also, we they have videos to show you how to set up your profile. And that's the reason why when someone uses our, you know, someone else's code, then that person become your um, someone that sponsor you to help you to navigate to through to the app. So basically, the way I look at it. People were constantly sending me message on, on LinkedIn, on, on, on Facebook, on, on Instagram. Can I talk to you? Well, everybody wants to talk to me. But you know what I told them? I said, listen, here's the link to the OWL app. Download it. You get a $10. Give me a call. Oh, that's too much. Exactly what I thought. So what you want to talk to me about is not important enough for you to do the steps. We want to be giving all the time. And not doing the work. And Al is here to actually disrupt that. To say, hey, listen, you got to do a little bit. You got to put some skin in the game. Do people really want to talk to me? And that's how I'm able to funnel those people that are real. That's the ones to have meaningful conversation. So that's what the Al app is all about. So I'm there. Um, I'm pretty much on, on, on uh, YouTube. I have a brand new YouTube channel, which is Will Therese with number two. Uh, Will Therese on, on YouTube. I am on IG, Will uh, underscore T-O underscore Rise. That's IG. I'm on LinkedIn under my name, Will Baptist. I'm on, what else? Um, man, uh, I'm on TikTok, Will to Rise. I'm pretty much everywhere because I just want people to see. That. That's my pretty face, but the message that I have. And I want to be on every platform. Now, I just got into another platform, brand new to me. It's called Clapper, which is uh, a competitor for TikTok. Uh, very interesting. So Clapper. I'm on there, too. The reason I'm there is not to promote myself, but it's to promote my agenda. Well, every man's agenda, which is get help, creating safe space for men to be vulnerable, to be emotional, and to know that they are not alone. That's what I'm promoting. If what I'm promoting rub you the wrong way, but I'm not sorry. That means you still got work to do. But I'm welcoming everybody. I don't have a competitor. I don't have, uh, you know, somebody that, no. I'll, if you're doing this work, 
I welcome you all because we're in this together. We're absolutely in this together, right? We're, we're rising. We are rising like you together. So like, like this, a Phoenix, just like the Phoenix, you, you got it. You got it. Just like the logo, brother. This is, this has been very insightful, very, um, educational, but also very rejuvenating and inspirational. So thank you so much for, for this conversation. Let's talk about uh, possibly doing this again. Uh, and you know, you might, you might be seeing from me, you might be hearing from me on Al at some point. So this is really good. So thank you for making the time. I I'm really happy that you joined and you made the time and that you are where you are doing what you're doing because it matters. It really matters. So, all right, we'll wrap this up. Thanks all take care.